1: Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church right here in San Antonio, Texas. This is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for. We're just going to go ahead and say it. Pastor Sean today is going to talk about money, but it's not going there. Get ready for some biblical wisdom and application as we're in a series called The Contrarian's Guide to Real Life. And The notes to this message are available right now for free at reallife.org, along with the complete podcast of this series. Again, that's reallife.org. Thank you so much for tuning in, and this is Real Life Radio.
2: So right now, we are going to get back to the contrarian guide to real life. And this morning, we're going to get crazy contrarian, okay? And I do understand, by the way, this contrarian idea can be a stumbling block to some the whole idea of being a contrarian, which is simply a person who's not afraid to go the opposite direction of the crowd and understands that a lot of times the right thing to do is go the opposite direction of the crowd because the crowd's going the wrong way. This is a tough idea because we overall have been trained and raised to fit in. We want to fit in. We want to be accepted. We think Jesus died on the cross to make people nice. He didn't. He did die to save souls. He did die to transform us spiritually. He did die to make people who were full of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith. He did do that. But it's a whole lot more than people who kind of fit in and don't offend anybody. No, in fact, Jesus said, he said, I didn't come to bring peace. Like, like, but your name is the Prince of Peace. You're called that in the Bible well, his piece is something a whole lot bigger. He said, sometimes when someone follows me, in a household there will be division. Father and son or mother and daughter. Because when you follow me, you're going to often go against the flow. And that idea is a stumbling block to some because they honestly believe that God saved us so we could go with the flow. And I'm sorry, just even a cursory overview of the New Testament will show you it doesn't work that way. Jesus said... They rejected me, they'll reject you as my followers. They had a problem with me, they're going to have a problem with you as my followers. And there is great blessing and joy even amidst the sometimes difficulty of the contrarian way. And what we're going to talk about this morning is like really contrarian, okay? Okay. And remember, we started out with this picture of Jesus as the ultimate contrarian. The way he came was so different. we talked about contrarian wisdom. We talked about contrarian marriage. Last week, and this is what we're going to talk about today is really a continuation of what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about the contrarian and the ladder. Remember by the ladder is the, the corporate ladder of advancement, or the career ladder. And we saw the contrarian wisdom is say no to the ladder and yes to the leader. Say no to the ladder and yes to the leader. That just setting your life about advancing and climbing blindly has led so many people to kind of get to the top of the ladder. And as we said last week, realize it's leaning against the wrong building. I ended up somewhere I never intended to be. It's not what I thought it would be. I've got the brass ring and it's brass. We made some points in regards to work. We talked about finding joy in the journey. Say a no to the ladder, and yes to the leader. God wants you to find joy in the journey. We talked about becoming a person of excellence. God wants you to work in your areas of strength and giftedness, even if that's not necessarily the most profitable area. Because there's joy in doing something that you were created to do, that you're good at, that you have the gifting and the skill to do. We talked about refusing to live without purpose. Every single job in the world has the opportunity for purpose if we'll let it. Anywhere where we are with people, we have an opportunity to have purpose. And we saw that the way to do that is leave a legacy of service. Leave a legacy of service. We can serve our customers. We can serve our employer, our employees. We can serve our coworkers. We can leave a legacy of service. And by that, we are investing eternally, no matter what we're doing, in the context of our work day in and day out. The problem is, this all has financial implications. We can't, we can't separate that. You're like, okay, but I'm doing what I do because I need the money. We gotta work. We, we gotta, we gotta make money. And that's what I want to talk about today. The contrarian and money. Because there are financial implications of these work choices. We all need stuff, right? Before I'll ever be able to say yes to the leader in my work, I have to come to terms with my financial concerns, and they are one of the central issues that all people deal with. It impacts almost every decision we make, doesn't it? Think about that a little bit. How do you get to go through a week without having to wrestle through financial decisions? Where are we going to live? You're going to talk about finances, okay? Are we going to have children? We're going to talk about finances a lot. Where am I going to go to school? You're going to talk about finances. Where are my kids going to go to school? How are we going to pay for it? Talk about finances. What kind of car will I drive? Finances. Where are we going to go on vacation? Finances. All the time talking about finances. Understand something. Our parents talked about money when preparing for our birth. And our children are going to talk about money when arranging our funeral. It is a central part of life. And let me just say to you, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. God created us with needs and understand there's a premise. Our needs are supposed to draw him, draw us to him, not away from him. Sadly, too often they draw us away from him. But I want us to see how much our lives are shaped by, and and listen to this, even restricted by finances. And that's where it gets ugly because that's not supposed to be the case. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs said, Proverbs 23, 4. Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it's gone. Now that I get. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies towards the heaven. You ever watch your wealth just fly off? Little spot on the horizon. <laughs> Someone's actually living with me. Bye. We it's true, we get it. Folks. What I want to say to you is we are not supposed to be slaves to finances. We are not supposed to be slaves to finances. God didn't create us for that. And I have to tell you, when talking about this, understand, you you preach to the same group of people. Some of you have been here since the beginning, you know, 12 years or more. Been preaching to the same group of people. We've talked about finances numerous times throughout our history. And as, as I'm sitting down to write this message and think about it, you know, I want to be original, creative, something snazzy, right? I got nothing. Because the most contrarian scripture, by the way, the scriptures are totally contrarian when it comes to finances. It's all for our blessing. God's desire to give us abundant life. But it, this is one of the most contrarian areas of life that the Christian faith is going to lead you in. And I, I came back to the same passage from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. I can't get away from it. Every time we talk about finances, I come to it because this is the fundamental. Just... Jesus sets the tone for a totally different way of thinking when it comes to money. And understand, this is from the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing could be like the Magna Carta of the contrarian, right? The whole thing is contrarian. But this piece here, for us as Americans, because money is a part of so much of our lives, this is so hard to really grasp with if we take it outside of the realm of poetry, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading at verse 19. And right off the bat, Jesus gets a little ugly with this, okay? Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. What little treasure I get, I like to store it up, right? I don't throw it out the window. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal okay there's reasoning behind this and then he says this statement and i've, I've talked about this significantly before i'm not going to go into it to the same length but this is so pivotal listen to this where your treasure is there your heart will be also jesus brings the heart the thing you love the thing that is your affection where your treasure is your heart's going to follow And then he goes on, verse 22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He moves on, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other. He'll be be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what he's done, he makes a statement, don't store it up because man, stuff on earth, it gets destroyed. Store it in heaven, because then it's safe. But then he talks about your heart. He says this financial issue is a matter of your heart, what you love. It's not just money decisions. It's about where's your heart fixed. It's a matter of your eyes. What's your vision? How do you envision your life? What is it that your gaze is locked on? It's a matter of your hands. What do you serve? Your heart, your eyes, your hands. What is it that you apply yourself to every day? What do you give yourself to? Jesus says, sums it up. You can't serve. God and money. He goes on, he says, because of that truth, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? See, right there, if it stopped there, if that was the end of the passage, that would be problematic, okay? Because I like to eat there. I said it, these squares, three squares a day, I like that. You know, I I think about food sometimes. And, you know, I need to wear clothes. That's not for me. That's for you. I mean, other people, they want me to wear clothes. You didn't have to, like, laugh that loud. Okay, really? Seriously? If it stopped there, we'd have a problem. But he goes on and he introduces this concept now. Jesus turns the whole conversation. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns. And listen, here he introduces an earth-shaking concept. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they? Don't worry. Food, clothes, don't worry about it. Not that it's not important. It's just your Father takes care of the birds. Won't he take care of you? Who of you, by worrying, can add one single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, this is how, here's that concept again how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the unbelievers, run after these things. here's this concept again. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus makes this powerful case that, man, the dollar, money, is not a worthwhile goal. It's not a worthwhile passion. It's not a worthwhile destination. It is not a worthwhile scorecard for life. It's a matter of the heart, it's a matter of the eyes, your vision, and a matter of what it is I give myself to, to serve with my hands. This don't
1: give your life up for money. You don't have to. You're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church, located here on the north side of San Antonio. If you're enjoying this topic of The Message Now, Sean's about to start a special series that you should hear next Sunday as heard here on Real Life Radio.
2: Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. I want to invite you to a new series of messages beginning on September 11th. It's called Downgraded, Embracing Financial Reality. Our nation recently went through a financial downgrade that has shocked our markets as well as a whole lot of people. Financial problems aren't just a government thing. They impact individuals and families as well. We're going to address the things that got us here, as well as some great biblical wisdom that will get us out. River City is a church for real life, and this topic is as real life as it gets. Don't miss this series of messages called Downgraded, Embracing Financial Reality, starting on September 11th. River City located one-half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road and jones Maltzburger. Sunday service times are 8, 930, 1115, and of course our 111 house service. At 1115, we even have translation headsets for our Spanish-speaking friends. River City is a multi-site church and also has campuses in New Braunfels and northwest San Antonio. Go to reallife.org for more information, and we'll see you on the road
1: to real life. Welcome back, and we return to Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church, and this is Real Life Radio.
2: We understand that money, folks, is paper, isn't it? I have some money here. You didn't think I had money, did you? This here is the dollar. So much conversation about the dollar, right? Three of these at Starbucks will get you a cup of coffee, folks. That's what I'm talking about, okay? So much we talk about the value of the dollar. It's a sign of our health. It's a sign. But, folks, it's paper. And we understand how it changes. The dollar, we kind of run through them so much every day. Well, here's a little better one. Here's a 20. Which that's a little better, right? This will get you a little more. But it kind of doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's still paper. The Germans discovered this after World War I, after the Treaty of Versailles. There were so many restrictions put on them. They went through such hardship. They had what we call hyperinflation, and it was of epic proportions. They saw the mark, which to them was like the dollar to us. They saw it devalued to extraordinary lengths. By late 23, the Reimer Republic of Germany was issuing 2 trillion mark banknotes. Listen to this and postage stamps with a face value of 50 billion marks. Seriously. People watched their entire life savings become worth less than a meal overnight. Can you imagine? Your retirement calculator can't really figure that in. It was crazy. And they understood, they saw that the bills, honestly, were worthless paper. There was so much of it, people scooping it up in shovels, trying to take it to buy groceries. And we go, but what about the American hundo, as my daughter calls it? Dad, can I have a hundo? No, you can't, hon. <laughs> Even the hundo is just paper. It really is, folks. That's all it is. It's paper. I mean, at the end of the day, this is paper. Am I right? You're like, dear Lord, why is he doing that? Stop the bad man. Some of you are like, dude, that's against the law. No, it's not. It was a fake. (laughs) A good one. but. But it was that feeling that you felt. Some of the guys from the Cigar Club are like, oh, I've done that before. I've burned $100 before. (laughs) Yeah, by the way, I'm going to be watching Lydia from our graphics department very closely. She did a very good job. That is not counterfeit, by the way. Technically, that is what's called a fake. It is signed by Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson. (laughs) It has all kinds of little things, but it's a very nice reproduction. But it made us feel that thing of like, oh, my gosh, but folks... What the Germans discovered is the dollar, they're just paper. At the end of the day, they're going to come and they're going to go. And hyperinflation is all about there not being the value of goods and services because governments sometimes to do a short-term band-aid or fix will just print more money. And before long, your money becomes worthless. And I want us to understand, Jesus introduced us to a point. Don't lay it up on on earth where moth, rust, fire, hyperinflation, stuff happens. But store it up in heaven. You see, we're not supposed to be slaves to the dollar, folks, because I can't be all about the money because the money at the end of the day is not ultimately secure. We need to understand that. And Jesus' message is real simple. Take a notes, write it down. My provision is secure because my provider is God. My provision is secure because my provider is God. Now, again, I was wanting something really neat and trendy and kind of creative for you that I hadn't said before. But folks, I've been saying God's my provider for over 30 some years. Since I got out on my own, I've been saying, God's my provider. I understand that. And yet, why is it that on so many days I act like He's not? Why is it on so many days I act like my company? This church is my provider. Even on the church level, we leaders who, and we got a great group of leaders here, our elders. Every once in a while, we have to stop ourselves because we start thinking about decisions and we start thinking, and, and well, we got to do this, we got to do this. Wait a minute, whoa, whoa, time out, time out. Do we? God is our provider. Not my job. Not your job. Not your company. Not the government. Because folks, just watch through history. Governments rise and governments fall. If government's your provider, it's not secure. It's not the world economy. And folks, here, here's the big one. I'm not even my own provider. God is. And I know that's a pride buster for some of us. Scripture has a name for God, Jehovah Jireh. God is the one who provides. That's what Jesus was communicating. My provision is secure because my provider is God. And that has radical implications. Now, there's a passage of Scripture I I really like. It's enjoyable, and there's some good truth in here. We're not really going to unpack it fully. But it's just a crazy illustration that Jesus gives Peter about how he's the provider. So Matthew 17, beginning at verse 24. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter. It's a temple tax. And they asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Not even just pay, pay up, but this accusation. You know, they were always after Jesus, always trying to undermine. Doesn't he pay the tax? And Peter says, well, yeah, he does, he replied. Now, when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. It's interesting. Peter didn't even bring this up. He's running to tell Jesus, and Peter and Jesus kind of beats him to it. Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings on earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? Well, from others, Peter answered. The sons are exempt. By the way, there's a neat idea of what Jesus is saying and some of the the old requirements of the law and the difference when we are sons and he's bringing this redemption is about sonship. We're sons and daughters of the king, not just kind of him doing a service for us. It's a relational connection. The sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. And then verse 27, but so that we may not offend them, go to the lake, throw out your line. Remember, Peter was a fisherman. Go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. That's awesome. Jesus could just have kind of pulled out four coins, right? He can arrange for it to be in a fish's mouth. He could probably arrange for it to be in his pocket. But that didn't have near the pizzazz and the style. He really got style points for this one. I mean, think about that. He's What he's illustrating is Peter. You're worried about so many things. I'm your provider, Peter, and I'm really creative and really powerful. I'll take care of you. So Peter goes, he fishes, and there's the coins in this fish's mouth, and the fish is like, thank God you came along. (laughs) Never think of it from the fish's perspective, did you? My provision is secure because my provider is God, folks. This is practical. This is real. This is contrarian. This is alarming. This is going to take you totally different directions in life. This requires some decisions. Seriously. We can throw around the, the, the kind of just platitudes. Oh, God's my provider. Good. If, you're, if you want to play games, fine. Knock yourself out. I, I don't want to. And you realize when you really come at this and start saying, I'm going to now live my life, like my decisions, my purchases, my career decisions, all of it, on this foundational understanding that my Father, God, is my provider. You are going to bump into some things, and you're going to go, oh, wait a minute, I have to think differently about that, or I have to think differently about this over here. Now, three decisions you have to make, okay, if you're going to live the reality of my provision is secure because my provider is God. The first decision, I see through the eyes of faith or I see through the eyes of fear. You got to decide. Can't do both. You have to decide today. I will see through the eyes of faith or see through the eyes of fear. That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 6, 31, 32. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't fret. Do I really believe this? Because that's the first thing. If I believe God is my provider, then I don't have to be afraid anymore. And I don't have to make my decisions based on fear. Because fear will cause us every time, folks, listen to this, to sacrifice what is important at the altar of what is urgent or expedient. It'll do it every time. Fear causes us to misplace our priorities. It will cause us to react instead of respond based on our principles, based on truth. And we get in trouble when we start reacting. Fear will cause us to be immobilized, paralyzed, totally ineffective. You're, you've heard of being frozen in fear. Fear will turn us into nothing more than a money vending machine, trying to take in what we can and then spitting out what we need to. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, this is the Lord speaking, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand.
1: You've been listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church, as next week we'll hear part two of this message called The Contrarian and Money. But you don't have to wait till next week. You can go straight to reallife.org and download the podcast of this entire message and series. Of course, you're also more than welcome to visit River City Community Church, located at the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Redland Road, about a half mile inside Loop 1604, right there on the north side of San Antonio. And for more details and directions and service times, again, just go to reallife.org. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.